0: subject matter is he knows what we need. He knows what we need. Luke's gospel, chapter two, verse 15 through 20. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You know, these shepherds and their reaction to the angel's announcement of the glad tidings or the good news of the great joy, which would be mighty and great among all the people, tells us a lot about the message. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this greatly impacted their lives when they heard these words. For there is unto you. It was personal for them. Unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I think that one word from God can change anyone's life. We see that it so impacted the shepherds that they did three things that were not very characteristic of these shepherds. First, they immediately left the sheep and they went and found the Lamb of God. They just abandoned Their post and they, they made haste and they went to look into the various caverns around the area that would have housed Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And, uh, it didn't say they got a committee together and decided, you know, would this be a good idea? What do you think? Well, let's take a vote. If majority says this is good, that, that's the way we'll do it. You know, that's, that's the way most people respond to, you know, making a decision. They, they want to get a lot of people around them that agree with them, and then they feel like, okay, if it's agreeable with this amount of people, then we'll do it. If it's agreeable to so and so, then well, it must be good, it must be a good thing to do. But each and every one of them instinctively, intuitively knew this is the right thing to do. I mean, we have, we have just been visited by an angel of the Lord. There's been this grand announcement. It's terrific news, and, and, and it, it caused them to move from where they were into the presence of the Lord. The second thing that they did is, when they beheld him, they told everybody about him. Uh, so not only did you know they they get up and move immediately and and get into a posture and a place where they could see and experience the uh, the promised Messiah, uh, they just stood and beheld him. And and anyone who is uh, ever brought a, a child into a family, you know, a mother and a dad, a, a TV is a, is a non-essential for the first several years of that child's life. You don't even need TV. You're so enthralled with just beholding your child and the wonder of your child and, and being attentive to your child and caring for your child. You don't even care about the TV. Your, your football team, it doesn't matter if your football team wins or loses or your basketball team, what matters is you're beholding something that's so beautiful and so precious. And you just want to be in the presence of that new life. And you want to experience that new life and be a part of helping to oversee and to bless that new life. And then the third thing that they did is they returned from their fields, glorifying God and giving him praise for what they had heard and seen. And so they definitely had experience. They had an encounter with God, with, with the presence of God. The angels carry the presence of the Lord then. And, and it, and it caused them to move from, you know, their post into His presence. And then in His presence, they beheld Him. And you know, the more you behold Him, the more you become like Him. And, and you and I know that the more that we behold the beauty of Jesus, then the more our life takes on the beauty of Jesus. And that's the beauty of beholding Jesus. Can you say amen? And this, this third aspect is that they went back. They, you know, they just, you know, uh, stayed the appropriate amount of time. I, and I don't know what uh, visiting hours were for Jesus that, that first night. You know, you get 20 minutes and then they run you out of the cave or the, the cavern. I, I don't know what it was. And, and, and here's a, a fun little caveat that I, I would like to think, uh, because God understood the care of the sheep, and he understood the responsibilities and the duty of the shepherds. I wonder if this took place during a shift change. You know, maybe that that they were on lunch, and 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 some of them, you know, stayed, and some of them. But if, but just imagine, this would be the best lunch break you'd ever had. And uh, just prior to lunch, prior to the whistle going off, and and you clocking out for your Half an hour or an hour, and and just sort of separating yourself from your daily responsibilities, and getting some nutrition, and just sort of resting and and reflecting a little bit that that you got this grand announcement, and and then and you made haste, uh, and and then you beheld uh, the beauty of the Lord, and you were transformed and changed, and then uh, on your way back, uh, you know, to punch back in. Everything about you, your demeanor, your countenance, your spirit had all been uplifted. And it said when they returned, they returned and they were praising God and giving glory to God. Now, now, since they were at work, how many of you really practice praising and giving glory to God at your work all the time? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's a good practice. It's something that we we should give glory to. But have you ever had those moments where you question whether it's worth you worth giving God glory for at work or or praising him and and sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of a of a temptation of, of grumbling or complaining or fault finding or being critical. You you ever had that temptation at work? So maybe a, a little bit of a caveat here is make make good use of your lunch hour. Make good use of your lunch hour. Make haste to get into the Word of God. Make haste to hear the word of God and then Return to your work with new vigor, with a new spirit, with a new attitude, with strength that comes from being with Jesus. So this morning, I want to minister on that that God knows our needs. You know, the words of gladness and joy are mentioned over 200 times in Scripture. And that's a significant amount uh, for God to remind us that many times that his will for us is joy and gladness. That That's something that we should Be attuned to and and we don't have to question the will of God when it comes to joy and gladness. If he says it 200 times, I I think he he means what he says and says what he means. Uh, If if you get instruction a few times, someone's trying to get a message across. If they say it 200 times, they're really committed to you and I understanding. This is something I want you to experience. So don't miss out on the message for the. Two hundredth time, let me remind you about gladness and joy. And, and those two words are interchangeable in scripture and, and gladness and, and joy are things that each and every one of us need because in God's word, they're synonymous or the same as strength. So we could even say it this way. God has told us and taught us and reminded us hundreds of times that we need strength. While we're here on this journey that the shepherds needed strength, the, the sheep need strength. We're, we're those sheep. We need strength that comes from our shepherd. So 200 times, that's quite a few. Have you ever had to write something on a chalkboard 50 times, 100 times, 150 or 200 times? I, I was in the classroom uh, after class hours a few days of uh, of my uh, boyhood schoolhood days, writing, I will not, I will not, I will not, I will not. I always thought it would be better if they told me what to do. I will, I will. I would that would have been more affirming. But it, it nonetheless it got the point across. But fifty times, you know, with chalk on a chalkboard, which is like the very challenging apparatus to write on. Because I'm left-handed, and this is just a moment of empathy. Can you guys empathize with me? Everybody say, "Ah, left hand." we write like this. We look for funky desks that, you know, we have to reach across. If you give me a right-handed desk, I almost have to like, like, write like a right-hander, like upright. And I'm, I'm a lefty. I do it cattywampus. And so, but 200 times is a significant amount. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, you know the phrase the joy of the Lord is used dozens of times in Scripture and reminds us where joy originates or it comes from. It comes from the Lord. Joy doesn't come from a promotion or joy doesn't come from having, you know, a Pinterest life or a perfect life. Joy comes from the Lord and it comes because we need strength. And why do we need strength is because we have struggles. And we all struggle against sin. We all we all fight against sin and and what it's trying to produce in our life, and, which is separation and and death. And, and we're fighting this good fight of faith and we need strength for the journey. So, as I've stated, when you think about joy, I want you to think in the same light, in the same way. I want you to think about the word strength, God's strength. Is how I want you to picture that God's strength that upholds and empowers us in our human weaknesses. The word weaknesses in scripture it doesn't mean that we're incapable. What it means is we're incapable of having the strength that we need to overcome sin. So when when you talk about weakness, we're not talking about, you know, you're physically weak or sometimes we're not even talking about you being emotionally weak you know, some people have a really strong will, and they, they can will to do something, have a strong want to. And, and some people are just physically really strong human beings. But what, what this is noting in scripture when it talks about weakness is it's talking about the inability spiritually to deal with the sin that has infected each and every human being. We have the, we do not have the capacity to deal with that kind of weakness. Only Christ can deal with that kind of weakness. Now, I, I, uh, I think that you can get your your motor energized emotionally. I think you can get your body in tune and, and stronger physically. But only God can touch the human soul, the human spirit, and give you and I the strength that we need to deal with the weakness that we encounter because of our fight against sin. That's why Scripture says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might or his mighty power. The prophet Joel instructed the people of God in the Old Testament to declare, let the weak say I am strong. Let the weak say that I am strong. It's interesting when you read that portion of scripture in Joel chapter 3, what was going on in the nation of Israel at that time. They were an agricultural community. It means that... Um, Uh, They had a lot of farming equipment around, but they didn't have a a lot of military equipment. And this was at at a season where the military in the nation of Israel wasn't that mighty. And they were being attacked. It was a season where their enemies were attacking them because they knew Israel was at a vulnerable position. And that's when the enemy tries to attack us, right? So... They attacked Israel, assessing Israel's inability to defend themselves. They were a bunch of farmers. Joel shows up, the prophet of the Lord, and a time where they lacked strength against their enemy and they didn't have the wherewithal to overcome them. And this is Joel's message. All right, you feel weak and everybody's like, Amen, I bear witness to that. Can I get it? Yeah. All right, he says, Let, let's say this then. I'm strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. And then he formulated a plan. He said, how many of you have a shovel or a hoe or a pick or a rake? And everybody's raising their hand. I got five of those. I got ten of those. He says, all right, let's turn them into instruments of war. Take what you have and let's turn it into an instrument of war. And they did and they overcame their enemies. See, God will bless God will bless and God will strengthen what we put our hand to. That's what they had. They had plowshares. They had, they had hose. They had, you know, shovels. That, that's what they put their hand to. They didn't have ammunition. And, it, and God strengthened them in their moment of weakness and they overcame their enemy. And then that was a time of great gladness and celebration in the nation of Israel. But consider this next Example that we have in Scripture when we're thinking about strength and in a time of weakness and inability uh, uh, within our own selves. The Apostle Paul shared that he took pleasure in times of infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecution, and distresses. That he took pleasure in times of infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecution, distresses, When he was experiencing those for Christ's sake. And then he made this statement. When I am weak. Then I am strong. And he knew where his strength came from. Joel the prophet knew. Where the strength of the people came from. It came from the Lord. The joy of the Lord was their strength. Nehemiah in a time where. The nation of Israel was actually ransacked and the city of Jerusalem was in shambles and a rubble and a pile of stones. An amazing sequence of events took place and the whole city was restored because strength came into those that were working and laboring. See. When we talk about the joy of the Lord, I, I want us to think about it in, in times of need and want, in times of temptation, as the Apostle Paul said, in moments of infirmities and reproaches when you know, we're, our, our good deeds are talked evil of, in times of persecution or distresses, that at that moment we should take pleasure in our Savior because even though in our human Spirit, we don't have the ability to address these needs. Christ is sufficient. God knows how to meet our needs. And so in those moments, he's looking for faith, an expression of faith, an action of faith. And that's why Joel said, let the weak say I'm strong. And that's why the apostles, Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. And we understand the context now of what he was saying is I'm I'm strong in the Lord in the power of his might. I'm strong with his mighty power. In my human frailty, these infirmities would bury me. These reproaches would, would cause me, you know, to run. These persecutions would, would hinder my, my witness. And this distress that I'm under and this, this pressure would probably cause me to implode. But Christ has come and Christ meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. God knows what our needs are and, and and while each and every one of us have certain battles in common, uh, I don't know everybody's battles I, I don't know everybody's needs, but I know that through God's joy and the strength that it brings that all of those needs can be met, and he can receive glory for it I, I think it's it's interesting that both Joel and Paul knew and had experience that God knows everything that is going on and is not just a sympathetic observer. He's a willing participant. Uh, He's a willing participant. And and this is the story of the advent is God was not just a sympathetic observer to what sin was doing to the human soul and man's inability to do anything about it. Man did not have strength in their spirit man was separated from God and we had all become what sons and daughters of the devil and that and that sounds almost so harsh and and critical but that's what sin produced is that we needed to be born again born out of the family of darkness and brought into the family of God's dear son so God was not just a sympathetic observer he was a willing participant to get us to the place that we could overcome, that we could experience strength in our human weaknesses, that we could experience God's victory. So today, scripture describes this joy, God's joy and God's strength in our life as being something that is marvelous and beyond human comprehension. The writer of the book of Hebrews says it's joy unspeakable. That means it's it's something that you experience, but it's hard to explain. Can you imagine uh, a bunch of, of farmers showing up right now, uh, over in the Middle East and saying that we're, we're here to take on ISIS? And, and they're saying, what is your, what's your weapons of warfare? Well, uh, my friend, uh, he's pretty good with the, he's pretty good with a uh, rake and, and my other friend, he's really sharp with the hoe and and this one guy uh over here man he i really dig this guy he's good with a, with a shovel and if you miss down on those jokes you have to listen to it later and uh but each and every one of them would just say you know we're not relying on human abilities we're relying on god to strengthen us uh it it was said of uh, of a platoon leader of a group of soldiers and and i wish this was a testimony that 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 uh would be more broad and, and more widespread, but uh, a platoon leader had, had a group of soldiers, and, and he was a devout believer. And so they read the ninety-first psalm every day before, you know, they they engaged in some of their responsibilities. And uh, over the the course of his tenure, uh, he saw God preserve and protect men that were in perilous positions over and over and over again, and it didn't mean that they didn't experience the some of the the loss of war, and some of the pain, but he watched God do things that can only be contributed to God. Isn't that what you want in your life? You know, aren't you tired of trying to fight against an enemy that you're not even equipped to fight against and think that you and I can actually overcome the power of darkness when we don't even have light until Jesus comes? You know, isn't it time that we understand the real need that we have when it comes to this strength that god talks about 200 times and promises and has made provision for i mean aren't you just tired of trying to find sin and trying to fight satan listen jesus has fought sin and satan for us he wants us to learn how to stand in his victory we have to do that by faith uh i grew up in an era can i tell on myself for a minute i've got a few minutes before i close is that all right if i i i do a little reflection here and, and Maybe some of you can identify with this. I I recall a time in the body of Christ where uh, there were people that what they would they would engage in what was called military warfare, military warfare. And and they would put on army fatigues and come to church. They put on actual army fatigues. And it was almost symbolizing that they're in the Lord's army. And they would begin to scream and shout and holler. Anybody with me so far? And yell at the devil. Almost like tree the devil. If you're going out and you were snipe hunting. How many snipe hunters do we have in the house? You're going to go snipe hunting with me tomorrow night? So if you were out snipe hunting, you'd want to tree the snipe. And then you could shoot it. And we use that figuratively. I have gone snipe hunting unbeknownst to me, there was no such creature, but I did go at one time, just like I went cow tipping one time. You can get a city kid to do a lot of silly things, you know, if you have some country friends. And so uh, they were like trying to to tree the devil. You know, I bind you, I bind, get out of here, get out of here, and yelling, they thought the louder they yelled and the more militant they got, that the the more they were exerting authority or the more they were exerting power and uh i remember brother hagen teaching that that's foolishness gone to seed and he used this illustration and it really helped clarify what biblical authority and power is it's confidence in christ in the completed work of christ not in how loud i scream how often i scream and and all we do is work ourselves up emotionally and, and we feel like we, uh, we really went out and conquered the devil. Listen, we can't conquer the devil without Christ. You can't conquer sin without Christ. I can't conquer sin without Christ. That's why Christ had to come. There, there were strong willed people when Jesus came. There were strong men and women. I mean, that the, some of the mighty things that were done pre-Christ as far as the wonders of the world, that people marveled at. How could they do that? Even in the Old Testament, when they were erecting and building the Tower of Babel, God said, unless I go down and confound their languages, nothing that these people set their mind to is beyond their capacity. See, man has the ability and the capacity to do something physically, something emotionally, intellectually with their life, but we're bankrupt spiritually without Jesus. And the common enemy we all have is sin and Satan. And we can't fight sin and Satan without strength. So we can't fight sin and Satan without Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But they would yell and scream. And you know, I got caught up in that for a season. Because you feel sort of like you did something. Like, yeah, I kicked the devil's butt today. Yeah, I put the devil in his butt. I got the devil on the run today. Anybody feel like, you know, if I just yell loud enough and long enough that... Either God's going to hear me or that I'm going to scare the devil off. Don't look at me so pious. Yeah, when your ways have come to an end, you'll do anything to try to get a result, won't you? Come on. I mean, you're, you have done things all in the name of doing things to show God how sincere you are. And what he wanted you and I to do is learn how to rest in what he provided. So this is the illustration that Brother Hagen gave. You guys ready for this? Here's the illustration. He said, how many of you see a policeman standing at the corner of a busy intersection whose light has gone out and he's yelling at the cars to stop? What does he do? He just holds up his hand. And everybody who sees his hand just immediately understands because he is a man in authority that they need to stop. And this is all you have to do. That's it, devil. That's far enough. Scripture says that Jesus never lifted his voice when dealing with the devil. He just cast the devil out with a word. He just dealt with darkness with a word. And this is the strength that we need to draw from. It's the strength that we can rest that the authority is in the name of Jesus. The power is in the word of God. The victory is in the resurrection of Jesus. And so when Jesus came into the world, he came into a very dark world, a world that needed the light, and he brought that light, and that light brought joy into the countenance of people. Another description of God's joy is that it's full of glory, and that glory strengthens us in the battles that we face against our enemy. And in the times of personal weaknesses that we all encounter, God knows what we needed. God knew that we needed three things, and I'm going to finish with this. He knew we needed the message, the message of life, the message of Christ. We needed the proclamation of his word and the proclamation that first night was unto us. A son is born, a savior is given. This child that was born, the son, the savior that was given. God knew that we needed a savior, so he gave us his word. I'm giving you what you need. You're not asking for this. I'm initiating it. God initiated the plan of salvation from its inception. It wasn't put together by a committee. It wasn't you know, something that man formulated. This was God's plan, and it manifested in God's time. So God knew that the right message would lift the countenance of the people and give them strength. The announcement, the proclamation of the word of God produces strength in the life of the hearer so that they can go out and not just be hearers, but doers of the word. You need strength to be a doer. Where does that strength come from? It comes from hearing. And faith gives you the strength to go out and fight life's battles in faith and with Christ. Secondly, the mystery of Christ. God knew that each and every one of us needed a little bit of. Of a mystery, something to captivate us, something to sort of uh, pull us in. Here's the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ is that he would dwell among us. That he would dwell among us. God knew not only that we needed a savior. God knew that we needed a shepherd, someone to dwell among us. That would guide us. And then the third is, we needed, and God knows this, and therefore he, he gave it to us, God knew that we needed a mission. We needed to, some, something to get up and to get us going in the course of our day. And, and it has to be more than just climbing the corporate ladder or, or making, you know, a certain level of, of, of income. You know, that, after a while, that's just redundant. It, it's not, but our life is really the mission Around our life is to bring glory to God the, the number one calling of each and every one of us is to bring glory to God. And that's that's our sole duty and responsibility. And, and we do that. We do that when we walk with God. So where is joy found? Joy is found in in the person of Jesus. That that's something that each and every one of us know. But once again, are we drawing upon the person of Jesus? In our moments where the enemy is arrayed against us and where it just looks like we're ill-equipped and we don't have the ability, God reminds us that the weapons that I've given unto you are not carnal, but they're mighty, they're strong. So use the weapons that God has given unto you. They're efficient, they're effective, and and you'll get the victory. So this joy that we're speaking of, which is synonymous with strength, that God talks about hundreds of times in his word to remind us it's a necessity because we all have weaknesses is found in the person of Jesus unto us. A child is born unto us. A son is is given one day. The government's going to be on his shoulder and, and none of us are going to have to worry about, you know, anything governmentally. It's all taken care of. He's a, he's a pretty good at that, but it's also found Listen to me. The, The joy and the strength that comes from joy is found in you and I doing the plan of God. And sometimes we make that real mysterious. But the plan of God is that you and I please him. That's the plan of God. Well, how do you please him? By faith. So you don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to sit around and say, well, I'm not going to do anything until I know what to do. You've already been given given so many words of instruction. Just go out and start doing it. Just go out and do the things that you've heard. And then joy is found in the power of Jesus. It's found in in the person of Jesus. It's found in the plan that Jesus brought into our life. It's found in the power. We're not without power. We have power, power, mighty working power. There's power in Jesus. What kind of power? Resurrection power. What does that mean? New life. You have new life in you. That's where the wellspring of joy comes from. I'm going to finish by reading out of Psalms, Psalms 16. And this is a messianic psalm, which means it's foretelling of the Messiah and his ministry and what he would provide for us as our Messiah. And verse nine, it says, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. This is the heart of Jesus. Jesus. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol or Hades or Hell. This, it, when Jesus read this, it gave him strength to go all the way to the cross. Now consider what I'm reading to you. When Jesus was, was upon the, the cross, it says the Jewish historians and the early church writers said he was unrecognizable and his, his, his outward appearance was so marred that he did not even resemble human, a human being. That, that they beat him so severely and that he had lost so much blood and that he basically was, was, wasn't someone that, that people said they couldn't even look upon him. That it, the, the crucifixion of Christ and his passion to go to the cross was, was that damning. But, what allowed him to do that, I believe, is part of Psalm 16 and verse 9. You won't leave my soul in hell or in Sheol. I won't forever be separated for you. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. This is speaking of a resurrection. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is felt fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let, let me uh, ask you a question and I'll close. Where is Jesus seated today? At the right hand of the Father. And what is he experiencing there? Pleasures forevermore. And what are the pleasures that he's experiencing? The pleasures of seeing his sons and daughters, his children, his offspring here on the earth. Living with the strength that he gives. Not trying to do things apart from him, but doing things in the power of his might. Not trying to trust in their intellect and their might and their human endeavors and and what they can do. But fully realizing that as frail and as weak as we are against sin, sin is no match for a person who's in Christ. Sin is no match for a person who's in Christ. And since you're in Christ, exercise the authority and the power that's in Christ in those moments of weakness, of temptation, of frailty. And you'll find that his strength or his grace is sufficient. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.